Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. I am powerful and I can do whatever I decide is important enough. I can achieve whatever I deem worthy. Same with you. Same with everybody. This is the truth for everybody. I love that. That connects us. It's a universal truth. And that our our power and our worth and our confidence and our wealth does not come from all the externals, all the shiny objects, where we went to school, credentials, money, fame, shiny object after shiny object. What I realize is that when we place our worth outside of ourselves in all of those things, we can truly never have enough or be enough. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, what's up? Dr. Sekou here. Great show for you today. I interviewed Mrs. Kate Ekman. Uh, She's the author of The Full Spirit Workout. She's a Columbia University certified executive leadership coach, and her work is rooted in neuroscience, positive psychology, and whole person coaching techniques. We uh, got into it. Her truth was actually discovering how powerful she actually was and learning how to teach that method of discovery to others. We delved into how you build mental, emotional, and spiritual strength and we actually talked about each one specifically and she gave some some great tips on how to do that the idea is that working on each of these three actually requires work just like you would go to the gym one of the great things she said in the episode was when you go to the gym you don't just put on a cute outfit and sit there right (laughs) so um, it actually requires some work so great interview really insightful really down-to-earth person I really enjoy talking to her, and I hope you enjoy listening. Close your eyes, open your ears. Let's go. All right, good people. Welcome back. Another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sekou. And today, we have Miss uh, Kate Ekman. Hey, Kate. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to get started. Absolutely. Let's, let's get into it. So Kate is the author of The Full Spirit Workout. 10-step system to shed your self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. It's a mouthful, which I love. The other thing that, that Kate and I have in common that she probably doesn't know, that we're both meditation teachers on the Insight Timer app. So that's kind of cool. When I saw that, I was like, all right, she knows about Insight Timer, which is the number one meditation app in the world, as you know. So Kate, I don't want to give a whole lot of context about kind of where you came from. Obviously, we know Uh, the title of your book, I want to jump right into it, right? The truth prescription is really about answering that very simple question about what was that truth in your life that 
you may have been ignoring, that once you accepted it, created a breakthrough for you. Tell our audience, take, take us on a journey. Tell our audience about something in your life that has happened like that. I think the truth that I ignored for so long until recently really is that I am powerful and I can do whatever I decide is important enough. I can achieve whatever I deem worthy. Same with you. Same with everybody. This is the truth for everybody. I love that. That connects us. It's a universal truth. And that our our power and our worth and our confidence and our wealth does not come from all the externals, all the shiny objects, where we went to school, credentials, money, fame, shiny object after shiny object. And what I realize is that when we place our worth outside of ourselves in all of those things, we can truly never have enough or be enough. We may reach the goal and we're super happy for 15 minutes. And then it's on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we are never happy. We are never satisfied. So I had a major wake up call to make that truth a reality. Yeah, I I was achieving success in my career and, and many goals, but inside it, it was this, something was missing. And I started questioning, who am I? And who is the real me? And what does that real me really want? And for a long time, I had no idea. And I ended up losing my ex-boyfriend, love of my life, and another best friend to suicide in one year. There were no warning signs, no drugs, no indications of mental illness or unhappiness, let alone depression. It really shook me to my core. And I had my own dark moment, which I speak about very candidly and vulnerably in the book about having this panic attack near Midtown Manhattan and Times Square, which is panic inducing even under the best of circumstances. And and finding myself at the Duane Reed across from Penn Station contemplating taking a bottle of pills because I was in so much pain and I desperately wanted it to go away, whatever that took. And, and luckily, my brother, who's a physician, you know, threatened to call the cops. And I had that, that come to moment where I thought, how did we get here? And not giving myself the proper time or care to manage all of the grief and to really do the inner work that it takes to withstand all the storms that are unfortunately not going anywhere. You know, the stress, the anxiety, all the chaos and uncertainty of the world, the overwhelm and exhaustion that we all experience because we're human. And so it really put me on that quest to come up with the tools for a better way of living. And I went back to school. I got my master's degree in Columbia and studied neuroscience, positive psychology, whole person coaching techniques, and really wanted to share it with the world. And, And it started to feel much like a physical exercise that I was used to, you know, as a competitive swimmer for 17 years, I knew how hard I had to train my physical muscles to compete at a high level. And so I thought there must be a way to train my attitudinal muscles and get really fit and strong on the inside. And, and that's what I've done. And that has become the truth. And the ironic, but really not ironic thing that happens when we get fit on the inside and, and place our worth and who we are rather than what we do or what we look like or how much money we make is that we naturally start attracting the people, the experiences, the opportunities, the money, and we don't have to try so hard. So it is worth it. It is like going to the to the gym. You can't just show up in your cute outfit and expect to get fit. You got to put in the work, but it's so worth it. So a couple of great things you said. The, probably one of the most important things was that, you know, we have all these stressors and, you know, all these things going on in the outside world that's not going to stop, right? All these problems. 
challenges. They're not going to stop. And so what you what we're going to talk about today and what you've talked about in your book is how do you create some uh, some some space inside? It's almost like a safe space where it doesn't matter what's going on outside that you're so condensed, so a hole on the inside that you can you can manage through it and not, you know, not wish that oh my god, I wish all these things would stop. You know, I, I have a joke sometimes <laughs> when I have a a client that's particularly call it external focused. I was like, listen, if you don't want any problems, then die because that's when there are no problems. (laughs) Okay. But if you want to live and succeed and and excel, then, you know, let's get into it. But let's not pretend, let's not have this fantasy of a, of a world where there's no challenges because that just does not exist. (laughs) Yeah. I think we all need to to embrace what it, embrace what it means to be human. And, and I love psychologist Susan David, who I love, she talks about that too. The clients who come to her and say, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel angry. And she said that that's a dead person's goal. And really when I'm sad now, I, I get curious and that's a coaching technique as well as, you know, where it's, what is, what is this about? Or more so when I'm angry or when something, when I'm triggered and I'm like, whoa, and instead of judging myself or even the person who triggered me or the situation that triggered me again, I get clear and get curious. And it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm upset because my values are being compromised or threatened. And, and that's actually a good thing that we have strong values and we're upset. When, for instance, if your value is freedom and someone is trying to control you um, in any way, you're, you're probably going to be triggered. And so I think then when you know the source of it, you can be like, oh, okay, that's what's going on. Have these tools to, to move and navigate through it, release that emotion and invite in something new and more beneficial. Yeah. It's interesting. Like people, I think in general, when problems arise, kind of what we're talking about, they're so external, externally focused. And it, it, it's, it does take a workout and it does take a muscle to sort of just say, okay, hold on a second. All right, what's really going on here? What do I need to sort of glean or learn from this situation after I, you know, I, I initially calm down. Nobody's saying you're just supposed to, situations come to you, not supposed to get angry. Like you're supposed to, like those things are there for a reason, but you also need to be in control. And so part of being in control is being able to look at the situation as objectively as possible from the standpoint, kind of like what you said, get clear and then connect. What's really going on here, right? What's, what's, what's really happening? Yeah. I think a good example of that too, when people are like, okay, give me an example. And so for example, I used to be attracted to a certain type of man. And so I look at it as, you know, my, my mentor gave me this analogy where the first time you see a snake across the street, you're like, Ooh, a snake, let me go play with it. Then you kind of learn like what the snake is. And then, you know, you're walking down the street and you see the snake again and you cross the street. And then the third time after you've done the work, you don't even notice the snake and you have no desire to play with it because you've done that work. And I think the same is true with our emotions. It's like things that happen now, whether it's betrayal or something falling through or someone mistreating me, I have that moment where I kind of recognize it. But instead of being at a 10 in terms of like anger, or how dare they, it's kind of a more to two or three. And I'm like, that's kind of upsetting or disappointing, but moving out of that space much quicker and being unaffected by it. And then actually getting to a place of gratitude, like, oh, thank you universe, moving that person out of my space. Now I have the room to invite in new people like yourself, where you can have these enlightened conversations and collaborate and help uplift the world together with the work that you're doing, rather than being involved with people and nothing against them, but they're just, they're not for you anymore. I think that's been a, a big takeaway from this past year and a half is that 
not everyone is meant to continue on our journeys with us. And as my friend Vanessa always says, and I love this, she says, let people fall away. Yeah. Yeah. Just and, and, and invite yeah. in the new and dare I say, I, you know, those people who can't be single for a day, really like they get in, it's just take, take that time, take that time for yourself. Just yeah. be with yourself. You know, I think that people that are listening and I've got, and I'm sure you've, you've gotten this and people you work with too, they hear this stuff and they like, oh, that's too woo woo. That is, that doesn't make any sense. Like I'm just going to be a certain way and then everything else is going to change. But trust me, trust me, trust me. And I know Kate, you, you can speak to this as well. When you change your inside, the outside world starts to change, miraculously starts to change. And you and you wonder, well, is this magic? Maybe it is. I don't know. But the point is something's happening, but you have to have the courage to try, right? You have to have the courage to, to try and do it. That one you you spoke about a little a little while ago about what your friend said, it's um it's tough. It it took me a while to recognize this hard truth, which is that everybody is not interested in growth. They're just not. Like there's such a hard truth. It's a, <gasps> it's a effing hard truth. Uh, I mean, I can curse on my own show, but it is a hard truth. And it, particularly for somebody, you know, like us who were really about, look, every day trying to get better. How can I get better? How can I serve more? What, what can I do? Right. And then there are some people that just don't care. They have their, their job, they have their comfort, their comforts, and they're okay with that. And that was hard for me, but I had to accept that. It's similar because when you realize that you're the type of person that is about growth and you're with people who don't really care about that, you realize those relationships should probably, you should probably let them transition their, their way out. And they've probably been trying to transition their way out. You've been holding, you know, holding, holding on to them unnecessarily. Yeah. And out of, out of fear or doubt or who's going to replace them, or I might have to be alone for a minute, but, and this is not about judgment or anything. It's really just letting people be who they are. As I like to say, love them, forgive them, release them. Or, you know, I, as I say, I'm like, I forgive him and I don't ever need to have lunch with him again. We don't need to be having lunch with someone just because we're related to them. We went to high school together. We've known them for 20 years, whatever. I think that was a beautiful thing about writing and publishing a book is that you really see who's for you and who isn't. And then, like I said, I have, I feel like I have all new friends and they're all the podcast radio TV hosts. Like you guys are all my, I'm like, these people are incredible and just so genuine and, and supportive. And I think sometimes when, when we start at the same place with people, and like you said, we've done all the work and we've grown and we're doing things um, like being in the public and publishing books and, and doing TV and other people are, are where they were 20 years ago. Some of them, there is some jealousy, there is some insecurity. And I just say to them, if I'm doing it, anybody can do it. I, I just, I'm just putting in the work and maybe you don't want this goal. That's, that's okay. I see people with five kids, God bless them. And I think I, I don't want that. And I think that's the beauty of it, but I think it's good to, to really step out of our comfort zones and to pursue and prioritize our passion projects, whatever it is. Because when you're, when, when, when I'm writing this book, when I'm doing these interviews, I really can't be bothered with what so-and-so is doing, what they're thinking. They like me. They don't like me. I am serving a, a higher, bigger purpose. So I'm just unbothered by all the nonsense, right? No, absolutely. You know, and, and that actually segues perfectly into the first kind of thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is the whole idea of, because the book is about fitness, right? The book is about mm -hmm. getting, Inner fitness. Getting, yeah. getting strong, getting strong internally. So the mental, you know, the mental aspect, right? How do you, some, somebody who's listening and they're like, well, how do you, 
deal with discomfort? How do you lean into, how do you lean into discomfort and how do I do that? Right. So what is, what are some things that you, that you tell people that you work with people on in terms of the mental fitness, right? The mental part of it. Yeah. I do a lot of work around confidence building. I wrote my thesis about leveraging confidence to accelerate leadership development. I feel like it is the key ingredient in effective, meaningful leadership because you see the way a lot of leaders in our country, whether it's politicians or celebrities and not leading with confidence and and then the effects of that. We're all at the effect of that. And so I developed my five P's of confidence, which builds strong mental muscles. And that's presence, patience, purpose, preparation, and practice. Because I love you and your audience, I'll give you two bonus P's. And that is pause and person, as in be a person. And I can go through each one quickly, or we can put them in the show notes. But a lot of people struggle with patience. So for a lack of time, I, I can flesh that out a little bit. And my favorite story to illustrate patience is country singer Shelby Lynn, won best new artist 20 years ago at the Grammys. And we, when she accepted her award, she was a little bit snarky when she said, oh, best new artist. It only took me 13 years and six albums to get here. And I think how was she even considered best new artist when she's been at it for so long? And I think there's this misconception that we see someone achieving a goal and we think, oh, it just happened to them. Must be nice. They did it overnight. But it really does take time. And even a story of patients closer to home explains how and why I'm alive. My, my mother couldn't get pregnant for nearly eight years. It got to the point where doctors said, if you want to have children, you're going to have to adopt. It's, it's not happening for you because of X, Y, and Z. And Obviously, she got pregnant because I'm her biological child. I have an older brother. And when I asked her, how how are you able to get pregnant? She said, I gave up. And and my mom's a woman of faith. So she didn't mean she threw in the towel. Stop being with my dad. She meant she gave it up to a higher power. And I think in that act of surrender, it took the stress and pressure off of her body. She got pregnant with my brother a month later after eight years of nothing. And so I invite everyone to, to loosen their grip as that 38 special song says, hold on loosely. When we, when we grip so tight to our goals, we actually repel them. Think of someone you meet and you're vibing and you really like each other. And if that person is calling and texting you nonstop and, and, and holding on so tight, it's going to repel you and it's, it's going to not happen, right? We've all been there. So I, I just, yes. <laughs> I, I like that you're laughing. The stalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. The, uh, yeah, I remember those days. Okay, all right. <laughs> Go ahead, Kate. Oh <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad that that hit home. But I think that's a great P to practice, and and then the practice. But the pause, I want to just briefly touch on too, because especially in our our culture, it's it's the hustle, it's the grind, it's the hamster on the wheel. And so I have found that when I take a pause and I take a time out. When I come back to my work, I'm able to achieve more in less time and perform at a higher level. I'm more creative. And and most importantly, I treat myself and others with more kindness and compassion. So an exercise to do this is, oh, we've all been here too. I wonder if you have, Um, you know, taking a pause before we respond to the upsetting email or text, taking a pause before we tell the jerk they're really being a jerk and we damage the relationship forever. And, and, and when we're being a person, you know, my, my speaking coach will say this to me because I I've obsessed with performance and perfectionism my whole life. He's like, just be a freaking person. And so if all else fails, just be a freaking person. That person is authentic and relatable and lovable. And, and that's really what the full spirit is. It's, it's 
about presenting our, our true authentic self to the whole world, not just the polished put together person we present to the world, but that messy person behind the scenes who's just trying to keep it all together. We, we love him or her. She's awesome. Yeah, because she's because he or she is relatable right? we, and real. We've all been there. And then when we see it, we're like, oh. They're showing that? Okay. It must be safe for me to show it too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or do you have that friend? I have this friend and it's this, this, this man I met recently at a speaking event and he always likes to FaceTime. And, you know, if I'm like done up or look cute, I'm like, okay, I'll FaceTime. And he was noticing that a lot of times I'm like, I'm not trying to FaceTime right now. I'm like in my pajamas or no makeup, or I just came from the gym. And I, I credit him with really helping me. And he finally just said it. And I, I feel like this is a lot of men too, which I, I like, but they're like, you look so good with no makeup. And sometimes I'm like, okay, you're rolling your eyes. But I think just giving ourselves permission to be that person at home with no makeup, hair is a mess in our sweats, in our pajamas and someone FaceTiming you. And, and that's enough. Usually I only want to do that with, with my mom or dad, but there's something really beautiful about just being who we are, like that stripped down, messy flawed person. And I think the more we can embrace that person, yeah, the the better results we're going to get in it because we're comfortable with ourselves. It's not about giving this performance or presentation. It's just about being real. You embrace like the real person and not the image. And that's the, that's the difference, right? That's what, what it's really about. Like, who are we really? Like, obviously, look, when you, you go on television, you're not going to go on television with no makeup and your hair not done, right? Because that's just the nature of TV. But it's also okay to deal with people, maybe not in television, but deal with people when you're not all done up. And that's, that's real too, right? What you said about pause, I wanted to, to pause and talk about really quick. I like that a lot. And I think one thing people should take away is that the pause should be intentional. Meaning in your mind, you're saying, I'm taking this purposely so that to re-energize, so that when I go back, I have more to give. Versus sometimes we can take a pause and we're like, we go on a, you know, a Netflix binge or down a half a bottle of vodka or, you know, like these, these pauses that, that aren't actually reinvigorating. They actually, when we're done, we're more tired than we were before. So I think that part of it is important, but it is super, super, super important to, you know, really, really take a moment. Right. And everything is so fast nowadays. Like if I was to have to give, give myself advice, they always say, you know, give the, the older person, give the younger person advice. It would be slow down. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Take your time. I feel like all the mistakes I've made is when I was going too fast and didn't slow down. And I think part of the pause for me has been even last night is another big storm in New York. And I'm just like, I'm not trying to be out and downtown, especially in another. I'm just I'm not doing it. And I could tell the person I was supposed to meet who was from out of town, who yeah. doesn't quite get the madness that is a massive storm in New York City, yeah. um, was disappointed. And I, I've learned that I, I have to be OK with disappointing others to really embrace and respect my own well-being and my own pause and taking up. And if that person gets upset, that's that's on them. I just. I'm not being flaky. I'm, I'm just, can we please reschedule? And I think we're, at least me, I've been so worried about letting other people down or disappointing them and putting my own well-being way behind other people who probably don't even care. So I think pausing and taking a moment to think, am I doing this for my own well-being? Is this an integrity with who I am and, and where I want to go? Or am I doing this to please someone else because I get my worth from other people liking me? Yeah. How, how am I taking care of myself in this moment? Yeah. 
No, super important. And what I found too, when I've been on the other end, like I've been the one who've been canceled on. Yes, there's a part of me that feels rejected, but then there's another part that respects it. And it's taken me some time to get to to that other part, like recognize another part that respects, you know, as long as it, it, it's integral. Like I had a guy recently of some notoriety that we were supposed to do a, 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 a interview. He called me day of to to cancel, but his wife just had a baby that morning. So oh. I mean, you know, it, you know, I there was a, a, a tiny, teeny tiny part of me was that was it wasn't upset, but was just disappointed. But I mean, come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> the guy, the yeah. guy, who, and there, there are other. And you'll reschedule. We'll reschedule. We'll reschedule. But even if, you know, whatever the person, maybe it wasn't as integral as possible. You still got to respect like the person has agency, and I think once you are able to do that, then it comes back to you, and you then feel more empowered to do what you did last night, right? To just say, hey, you know, this is not going to work, and it, it's okay. Yeah. I don't hate you, but it's just not going to work. And and that that that's a muscle right there. You talk about working out. You know, that yeah. that's a muscle. Yeah, that's a muscle. Let, let, why don't we talk a little bit about the e- emotional, emotional strength, right? We talked a little yeah. bit about mental. Talk about the emotional strength, which is an interesting one. Yeah, when I think of emotional muscles, the first image that comes to mind is like, oh, when you see the anger train coming, <laughs> don't get on board. And we we all, especially this past year and a half, it's like that train's been coming down my track a, a lot. lot. Yeah, a yeah. lot. But I think noticing it and seeing it clearly marked, I'm like, is it, I'm like, is that the joy train? Is that the, I'm like, no, that clearly is the anger train. And just choosing not to get on board, knowing that the joy, the abundance, the friendly, whatever train is, is coming down next. And again, pause and take a beat, let that go. You don't have to engage. I, I, I posted something on Instagram. It was one of my most blown up quotes. I post my own original quotes there, but it was something like, you don't have to engage, explain, defend, justify, or even respond. And I think there's this misconception. We got to respond to people right away. No, you don't. Someone says something mean to you. You got to tell them off back. No, you don't. There is so much peace and just the pause and silence and, and not engaging. I think we build strong emotional muscles when this is a hard one too. Super Again, it's a hard. practice. People that are listening, it's, this is not easy. We're not saying you're supposed to do this tomorrow. But if you're willing, you can do it. It's a practice. Yes, it is. It's like a six pack. I've never had one on the outside. I've got one on the inside, but I'm like, it's a lot. of, And I'm like, you're giving up pizza and wine. And I'm just like, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, a lot of a lot of time at the gym. So this one is is like that. This is like giving up all the pizza and, and Prosecco and all the things that I love. But it is accept that people can't give you what they don't have. This has been really, really hard, whether it's like your partner isn't giving you the respect because they don't respect themselves. They don't, they don't feel worth. One of the best things my ex did for me was I always felt rejected by him. And he finally sat me down and explained to me one day, Kate, I never felt worthy of you or your love. And it was such a revelation and gave me so much peace and freedom where it was just like, wow, yeah, it, it was really beautiful. And Something else I get triggered by, I am really triggered by incompetence or you pay a lot for a service or you call the customer service representative and it is just, oh my, we've all been there. And so I have to step back. I'm like, first of all, you're talking to a human. You never know what's going on in their life. So please be kind. But I'm like, and you see this all the time, a restaurant, anywhere, this person clearly hasn't been properly trained and they don't have the experience. So they can't give me the service of a properly trained person. 
So I think going, going to that place. And I think the more that we, we start to practice these principles, I mean, another one to build strong emotional muscles, another challenging thing to do, take the high road, forgive, be like, oh no, but what they did is unforgivable. That's going to literally poison you. And, and we, everyone talks about this. It's in the Bible. We all know about this. And yet it is a practice because even I had, I had a friend and a client who was up for all these big jobs. He wasn't booking them. And I, I got this intuitive hit that, that felt, I felt called to ask him. I said, who are you not forgiving? And I, there was that moment where he's probably like, what does that have to do with me not booking a TV host job? But then he took a moment and he thought, gosh, he's like, I guess myself. And then as I was just quiet and let him process, and he's like, my father, you know, my father did this, this, and this. Sometimes I think we hold on to things from, from our childhood or the past, and it's literally blocking our blessings. I tell people all the time, your envy, your, your jealousy, your, your anger is literally blocking your blessings. So if you have those days, you can't do it for yourself or the other person, do it for your goal, do it for the money you want, do it for the opportunity you want, do it for the love you want. That helps me get over the hump when I'm really stinking mad. Yeah, that damn, uh, that damn anger train. When you were talking earlier about pausing to respond to emails, I was thinking about, oh. so in my twenties, I would send the email. In my 30s, I would write out the whole email and then not send it, but write the whole thing out, four-letter words and all, but not send it. And now I sort of think about it in my mind, and sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't, but never, I, I never respond with anger because it's just, you're just creating a cascade that's just, it's just feeding something that I don't want to feed. Yeah. So again... <laughs> It's taken me 15, 20 years. So it takes time, people. It takes time. I know it's tempting, um, especially when you feel threatened and you don't feel safe or you, you know, a lot of times, you know, um, Kate, you've been talking about triggers. A lot of times those triggers are from old, like super old stuff that we haven't really hurdled yet. And so somebody steps in front of you at the bank and you want to, you know, take their head off. It's not because they stepped in front of you. It's because somebody else that you really cared about didn't acknowledge you in some way. For a long time, it made you feel, uh, didn't, you know, didn't make you feel valued. So it's, it's crazy. It takes time. Anyway, all right. So the last one, um, and I guess I'll start this one off by talking about this. Kate, how do you define spirituality? Yeah, I think our spirit is the, the part of us that is our true essence. It's the part of us that can never be rejected, criticized, overlooked. For religious folks or people who believe in God, a higher power, I like to say our spirit cannot be crucified, essentially. It's, it's the Christ in us for people who speak that language. And so I look at it as that divine wisdom that is always available to us. We just have to download it into our minds, bring it down into our hearts and our body where it lives as wisdom, and then move it into our hands and really implement it in the world. And I'm not talking about the ego mind that's constantly chattering and saying, why'd you say that dumb thing? You, you're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. Who do you think you are? Why? No, that is why with, with the, the spirituality and the spiritual practice I do to connect with, with the truth, which is what this show is all about. The yep. truth, your, your spirit is the truth. It is the truth. And a way to connect with that truth is a practice I do called sit and stare. And, and this became an intentional practice that I developed a week or two and into the lockdown when like everybody in the world, this is something we all have in common. I was, I, my brain was like, what in the hell is going on? Yeah. And living alone in New York city at the time and it, it, 
it was, it, it was frightening. And it was just to see a vibrant city like this completely shut down was, was horrifying. So I was finding myself doing a lot of time staring at the window processing a lot of time. And I started to get more intentional with this practice and invite in that, that guidance. And that wisdom and support. And I started checking in with myself, like I would a small child and, and just say, how are you doing? What do you need right now? How can I support you? And I started listening for the answers to God, to spirit, to the truth, to intuition, whatever you want to call it. And that guidance helped me. Again, I was, I had 90,000 words to write in my manuscript during this insane time. And I didn't want to write just any, I wanted to write a phenomenal book. And I'm really, really happy with this, with this book. I put my whole, full, full truth, spirit, soul, everything into this book research. I started getting the guidance and I would get guidance like, oh, hey, why don't you call this person and, and team up and, and do this talk? Hey, why don't you reach out to this person, do a collaboration? Oh, you know, this chapter should be titled this. You should riff on these subheaders. And I was like, whoa, it felt like I had this assistant or a writing partner. And it was just, it was God, it was spirit, it was truth. And so the good news about this is that everyone has access to it. You don't need a Harvard PhD. You don't need to look like a supermodel. You don't need to be a billionaire. And while we love all of those things, everyone has access to this. And it, this goes back to the first question you asked me. It's that most of us just don't think we do, or we, we think, oh, those nice people are good for them. This is something that's available to all of us. If you just get practiced at listening and get quiet and give yourself time to listen. Yeah. Get quiet, get in the body. Um, it's funny when, when you said you don't have to be a Harvard PhD, I was thinking it's probably more difficult when you're a Harvard PhD <laughs> because your yeah, mind is so uh, yes. cluttered with, with stuff, yes. with info, you know. There's this marshmallow challenge I do with executives. And one of the group that does the worst is Harvard business students. The group that does the best, better than CEOs, engineers, kindergarten students. I believe it. I believe it. Because they're, they're curious pure. and playful they're and they're having fun. Yes. Yeah, they're not fun. like, well, according to this, we need, no, no. <laughs> They're just going for it, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it, it's almost like when you you know you you really learn it, as they say, that's the word learned. When you really learn it, you have all these big degrees, and you have all these like packets of information that you've downloaded. Right, in one sense, when you go to download the other information from what you call the sit and stare technique, which is really just meditation, mindfulness, it's a little hard because you got all this other stuff in there. So you really you really got to like practice. And I, for me, even still, like now, I mean, I've medit I've been meditating uh, close to 10 years. And in the last five years, consistently every day, I still like have to really connect to my heart to really get into my body properly. Otherwise, my mind is, is just, you know, it's, it's just a cavalcade of information <laughs> just flying all in different directions. Anyway, that was I, I thought that was that was a great explanation. Let's jump into yes or BS. So I'm going to make a statement and you're going to say yes or BS. And if you want to explain why or why not, you can. If you don't, we'll move on. Okay? All right, cool. All right. Number one, I took this from you, but I want to hear your explanation. Spirit has no size. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And what that means for people, I, I, I do a lot of work around healthy body image, working in the modeling industry um, nice. certainly took its toll on, on me. And I think every, everyone, and then just what people who aren't in the business are seeing portrayed, it has changed drastically since I was in the business full time. We are seeing representation of all different shapes, sizes, ethnicities, yep. skin tone, which is awesome. And the brands that are doing that should, should be applauded. Some are still a little 
behind. But what I mean by that is what we said, the spirit, who we are, it it doesn't have a certain look. It doesn't have to work. Am I skinny enough? Am I curvy enough? Am I fit enough? It's like, no, your spirit is, is literally perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Number two, success can be redefined. 100% yes. And we need to constantly be redefining it for ourselves and unsubscribe and unplug from societal standards and definitions we do not believe in, come up with our own theories, definitions. That's something I invite everyone to do because people say, I want to be happier. And I'm like, great. What does happiness look and feel like? People are kind of like, what are you talking about? How do you define happiness? Because for somebody, it might be making a million dollars a minute. I'm like, okay. And for someone, it's not working at all and staring at sunsets every day. I mean, whatever it is, there's no right or wrong, but really come up with your own definition and and constantly redefine it for yourself. Yeah, I think it's super important. I, I love that. I think I read, that was, that was your quote I read. I love it because it kind of gets us out of the matrix, out of the program, right? We all have all of this cultural programming, educational programming, family programming. But then when you start to like actually tap in sit and stare, what's really going on with me? Oh, actually, yeah. I really don't like this job. <laughs> I actually I don't. Think yeah. You know, I actually don't like this neighborhood. Actually, I want to move to San Diego. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so important. And then, you know, how you define success. I, I, I think that's, that's, it's really, really, really important because you start to come from a place from within versus from without, right? I, yeah, I just, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, we, we were or are doing all the right. So the so-called right things, but we still feel a lack of meaning, fulfillment, happiness, true joy and authenticity, abundance in our lives. And I'm like, but I'm doing everything they said I should be doing. So (laughs) that's what I realized. I'm like, this isn't working. This lifestyle is, is unsustainable. And I had to really come up with, with my own way of being. And I, I really encourage everyone to do this. It's simple, not easy. But again, the results are so worth it. And I just ask people, you know, who do you want to be and and what kind of life do you want to have? Simple questions, difficult answers. But I shouldn't say difficult answers. It, it can be difficult, but it doesn't have to be. Number three, heart is better than brain. Wow. I love them both. I think our hearts are more wise and advanced. And then even taking a step further to the soul or the spirit, because um, what I think to illustrate this is working with a, a man, he was my sound engineer when I was recording my audio book. And we had this, this session one night and we went super deep. And afterwards he said, I got more out of this one session than I have in 15 years of psychotherapy. And I love psychotherapy. I have, I have done it. I love my therapist friends. I think there's a lot of value there. But our heart and soul take us to a level deeper. So look at it. Maybe our brain is kind of up on the surface of the ocean and the boat. It's smart. It's checking everything out. It's going to keep you safe, knows what's going on. But when you're sitting at the bottom of the ocean and connecting in more of your heart or soul space, it's like, holy shit, I didn't even know this world existed and, and the beauty and, and wonder and awe down there. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage people to check out the Heart Math Institute. Um, they have a ton, a ton of great resources j- uh, just about this very thing that the heart itself actually has an intelligence. And I'm going to stop there because I know people are going to be like, what is he talking about? All right. <laughs> I, I love that work. It's beautiful. Kate, I feel like um, we can go another two hours. We're probably going to have to do another show. Yay. We'll do in person. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, but it was great, great talking to you. And I, I know that um, even just this little, this little top of the top of the iceberg conversation, the audience got a lot from it. Tell them how they can connect with you if they want to do some work with you or just follow you and find out, you know, what you're doing. Yeah, I'd love to stay connected. You can go to kateekman.tv, K-A-T-E-E-C-K-M-A-N.tv or thefullspiritworkout.com. And I encourage you to go to my website because all of the meditations in the book are reported, mixed, mastered over on the site for free. So take a listen, go on a journey of self-discovery. Even if you're brand new to meditation, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You just got to breathe, as you know, <laughs> and, and start to have some fun with it and go on this, this journey of, of self-discovery with yourself. Beautiful. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. I will sign off as I always do, that the truth will set you free if you let it. Ooh.